and welcome to the Human Awareness Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Haya, and this is our fourth season. Hi there. We have spent the last three seasons welcoming brilliant, vulnerable, and thoughtful people to share their stories. We've loved hearing what they have learned about their own human journey through love, intimacy, and sexuality. The Human Awareness Podcast can't replace the depth of learning that happens in one of our workshops at the Human Awareness Institute. But we hope that in these interviews, you're able to catch a glimpse of who we are and what we do. Mm, I love that. Shall we get started with the interview? Yes, let's do it. Welcome to the High Podcast. I am so excited about our um, guest today, who is talking about something really exciting in the space of dating. Uh, esteemed and beloved guest, uh, what is your name? What pronouns do you use? And where do you call home? Hello, uh, my name is Carolyn Lee Arnold. Um, I'm I use she and her, and I live in Oakland, California. We are also joined by my wonderful co-host Kate. Hi, Kate. Hi, everybody. So we have done some talking back and forth with Carolyn about um, the delightful thing she is working on. And she has a lot of amazing thoughts about uh, dating and specifically dating in some pretty specific contexts. Uh, Carolyn, um, what is your life's mission? What drives you? Wow. Whoa. <laughs> what a great question to start off with. First of all, I just <laughs> want to say how glad I am to be on this podcast. I am a proud participant of High Workshops, and, I, and I'm glad to be talking with you two today. So thank you for having me. Mm. Um, my mission is to um, spread joy and love, I think. I've never quite said it that way, but, um, um, but I, I, I really, when I find something that works for me in life, I like to share it and, and um, make, make a way or, uh, for other people to, to do that also. So that would be my short version of that. I love that. Joy and love. And it's certainly been my experience of you in the few conversations we've had so far, Carolyn. And I, I wonder if you can share a little bit about this experiment that you've been on over the last, gosh, a couple of years now. Is that right? That you've been writing your book? Yes. Well, actually, yes. I, 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 I had a dating experiment that I tried that was actually 10 years ago. It's, it, and then I wrote a book about it, and it's, which took 10 years to write. Um, so I, I, 10 years ago, I was in my late fifties and I was wanting a partner, a, a, a lifetime partner. And I'd never had a long relationship, a long committed relationship. I'd had short relationships and a medium relationship that was not committed. And I wanted that. And I thought, how can I find someone? And I, and I had dated men and I had dated women and I was ready to find a male partner. I was pretty sure. And I, so I set a goal and I was a researcher so I, and so I took a research perspective on it. I set a goal of 50 dates and I um, decided to see it as a research project in terms of who, what type of man would I like to be with? How can I widen my view of types of types of men that might possibly make a good partner for me? So I didn't start with a list. I kind of thought I would develop the list. It's called exploratory research um, as I went. <laughs> and, and, and I just, and so my goal was to, really experience, go, go out on dates with different types of men and not have each date be someone who might be my partner, but just maybe they represented a type of man or just someone I wanted to explore. So I took a lot of the pressure off myself for finding a partner immediately. The 50 dates stretched long before me. And so I had fun. I had fun. I, I had time to enjoy each date and kind of just try them all out. And mm. 
And the, the, the amazing thing is, as I went through this, and the project took me two and a half years, and I found the perfect partner for myself. I really did through all that exploring, all that sifting, all that thinking, all that self-reflection. It was really an exploratory time about myself, learning about myself and what I needed and wanted in a relationship. I found the perfect partner, and we've been together for 10 years. Oh, that's beautiful. And we're going strong and we're going, we're planning our future. Oh, and, I love that. And so I know I found the right person. And I, so, um, so I had this great experience. I had fun dating. I found my partner. So I thought, well, I didn't immediately think, but eventually I thought, well, I should write this down and share it with other people. And what I was writing down became a book. And the funny thing was I, I, as I went through the dates, I experienced that it was a lot of fun. And not fun all the time. I knew I got my heart broken a few times, but I bounced back really easily because I had a lot of relationship skills that I'd gotten from the workshops, the high workshops I'd gone to and just living, but mainly um, the workshops. Um, I had a lot of skills and a lot of knowledge about how to take care of myself, which I could talk about later. But but as I went through, I I experienced it as a very upbeat situ- um, project. And of course, it had a happy ending. So that was great. Then when I went back and wrote down all 50 dates and read the read it, I saw, oh, my God, I actually got rejected a lot and rejected mm-hmm. a few people. And it was not all fun. And it was bumpy. And I cried a lot. And, and so th- what I learned then was I must have been taking really good care of myself to, have, to experience it in more of an upbeat way as I went through it. And so that's mm-hmm. what I ended up sharing in the book because, well, the the book is the chronicle of those 50 dates. Not all of them. I just focus on the main, the big ones that really moved the project forward. But it, but it's a kind of models a lot of different ways. It's like a smorgasbord of ways to take care of yourself while dating. Cause I tried a lot of different things and I think because I was doing everything, I, it worked. So that is amazing. <laughs> so you're, you're describing this as a, um, a science project of sorts. And that makes me very curious. Like, what are the variables? What were you testing for? Well, I was testing for happiness. <laughs> my dependent variable was I wanted to be happy with a partner. And, and, um, and one of my main criteria is I didn't want to be bored with someone. <laughs> and, but um, and, but I, of course, I, I wanted a life partner who I was compatible with. Um, the variables were things like um, um, basically um, how people organize their lives, what their purpose is in their lives, what you asked me, your mission, someone's mission in life, um, how they live, what their priorities are, um, how, how affectionate they are. I, touch is really important to me. So I was looking for someone who touched a lot and was very sexual, as I was. Um, I, I tried... Um, I had some variables, physical variables, like I, I, I had a preference for tall men, but I tried out some short men to see if I could overcome that prejudice that I had against short men. And I found, and I couldn't, but I felt like I gave it a good try. Um, uh, there were different types of occupations. Um, I fixated a f- little for a little bit on businessmen who were spiritual. I thought that would be a good type for me. I was um, breaking up with someone who I really adored, who was, I, 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 nicknamed him the Buddhist beach boy because he'd had a long career and a long financial career and was now retired in Hawaii meditating and reading on the beach, which was, I love visiting him, but I didn't want to live my whole life like that. And he did. And that was one of the reasons we broke up right before 
my project. So lifestyle, it, it turns out what you want to do with your life really makes a difference in, in um, choosing a life partner, even if you love someone. Yeah. You've just touched on something really important there, right? You, there are people in life that you can have such a tremendous amount of fun with, and there are other people who kind of fall into a slightly different boat. It's like, I feel like life partnership versus like people who seem perfect for like, I don't know, uh, what we started to call comets or long distance relationships or something like that, where, you know, you get to be in full focus with this person when you've gone out of your way to travel all the way to Hawaii, but then in the rest of the time, they kind of fade a little bit into the background. Did you find that as part of your, um, as part of your well, journey? Definitely having a long distance relationship, which you picked up that we did. Yes. Um, was exciting. Although we, we, we had four years together here in the Bay area before he moved to Hawaii. So it wasn't that as much. And we were on the phone every night. So I didn't feel actually a separation from him, but it did provide, I'm an independent woman. I'm a, I'm an old feminist. I'm an, um, and I am, my independence is important to me. So I liked having, I saw him once a month. I liked having the other weekends free to be with friends or go to high workshops. I was on the team for high workshops. So I was assisting a lot and, um, and doing other things, working on my house. So I needed that space. And actually that's one of the, speaking of variables, that's one of the things I was looking for. I was, I was looking for someone who had a purpose in life and was busy doing their work enough to give me space to do whatever my work or my purpose or my other activities were. So um, it, it's important to get that balance and that balance is hard to do, hard to find sometimes. Carolyn, I'm, I'm curious. So for those of us who are listening, who maybe are still kind of looking for a partner or perhaps multiple partners and, and consider themselves in the dating world, what would you say are some of the pros and cons that you experienced to approaching dating as an experiment? Hmm. Well, Experiment might be a little dry, if I put it that way, because <laughs> I, I, I considered it more. I did say that, but I, I it, and because I'm a researcher, uh, you, you really can't be objective when you're trying to sift through and find people, evaluate people. You're not really being objective. I saw it more as an exploration of my own um, strengths and and um, things. Um, I. I a way to learn about myself and what my needs were, what my needs and wants were. And so, um, and so I didn't, I can't think of many cons (laughs) to this approach because what it does is it, because, because here's the problem with dating at all ages and especially for older women, but I think actually for younger women too, if um, anyone who has a clock ticking, like the, the baby clock ticking or the um, getting older clock ticking, we want to find our person as soon as we can, but, and so we can't linger with, we don't really want to linger with someone who's just fun, just forever. I, I was actually doing that for most of my life. And so then I find in this case, I got serious about wanting to really find someone. Um, but it's so easy to, um, to find someone you think yours is great and, and start seeing them. And that can so devastated if it doesn't work out and, and then get discouraged and stop dating or, um, or, or we might settle for someone who's not quite right because we're afraid of continuing to look. We're afraid we don't have time or there might not be a better person out there. We might settle for somebody. Um, or then the, um, look out, and then there's one other danger that we all have, which is if we have a list, which we often do, a list either in our mind or written down of who we want and what we want. Sometimes people won't match the list for the fir- enough for the first date. 
and you won't date anyone because no one matches the list. And it turns out you have to take, go on dates to explore people to see if they're going to match the list. It, it really comes out later. So I feel like a more objective, um, distant way is needed. Now, distance is not the right word. It's more like um, just letting yourself um, um, gather information about yourself and other men and then evaluate the information. And it, and if you do, if you, that goal of 50 really kept me going. I mean, there were men that I lingered with that I thought, hmm, this could work out. I thought it, I, I had m- more dates with men that with some of the men, but I kept dating. I kept the project going for the momentum um, because, and that helped me feel a lighter about the people I was lingering with that I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't feel stuck with them. I didn't, they weren't the only one in the sea. There was somebody else coming along. I could keep going. Um, and I, and if I, and if something worked out, didn't work out, if I got hurt or discouraged or rejected, I, I had this momentum going for the other people. So I can't think of any cons <laughs> myself. <laughs> so I know it's not for everybody. It's a little bit of a quantitative approach. I, I thought of if people don't like to do it by numbers, like have a big goal of numbers, I thought maybe by time, like do it for, you know, date for six months and then take a break. But the main thing is dating is a long-term project. You have to look at it as a long-term project. It's not usually too effective to do it casually. And and because it's a long-term project, you have to consciously build in support. Because if you don't, you're going to be just you going out on dates and coming home and feeling either bad or good and then and then maybe getting your hopes dashed. On to the next one, yeah. Yeah. I think what you're describing in a way here is like the ultimate expression of um, abundance thinking over, you know, ah, not that. Thank you. And yes. I think there's something really beautiful there because you're mm-hmm. you're literally saying, well, it doesn't matter if this is a good date or a bad day. There's like six more lined up. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, but also mm-hmm. there's something really curious to me there. Like I, I'm curious about the ones who linger. Like we've all yeah. been on awful dates. We're like mm-hmm. 10 minutes in, you're like, oh God, what am I doing with myself here? Mm-hmm. But I, I, I'm curious about... You know, obviously you said you found a partner and now mm-hmm. wonder what number was that in your 50 dates mm-hmm. but also what happened to the other ones where you're like hey wait a minute this is interesting enough to explore a little bit further and you know that i feel like that is a really exciting time they were and they are they're a big part of the story um first of all the number of that i found my date i am not revealing because that's that is what is revealed in the book if you read my ah, okay. book, that's what that's that's uh, this kind of the surprise of the book of w- which number I found him in. I did go on fifty dates, I'll tell you that, but he is one of those numbers. Mm. Um, but it was later in the project, I'll say that. And these people that I lingered with, I they they were responding to something that I knew I wanted. Um, one of the first men, I think he was date, he was actually date number four, but he came back and asked me for another date in date at round date twenty because um, he disappeared and then came back. And so um, he, uh, what, what I really responded to him is he was a coach. And so he was very good at talking emotionally um, about he was good at problem solving with my, about my life problems. And he just felt very present with me emotionally. And we connected a lot of our relationship on the phone because we didn't live very near each other. And it turned out he didn't really want to get together that much. And that was the problem with him. He didn't want to touch or get together, which were kind of two of my big things. But I lingered with him because I felt like I was learning communication of intimacy. We were being very intimate on the phone about honest feedback to each other and and um, 
appreciations and we were both very vulnerable with each other. He was vulnerable with me also because he was try, trying to learn how to have a good relationship. And so I was so drawn in by that. I knew it wasn't enough, especially if he wasn't going to be touching. And it finally came to a head and I finally realized this was not going anywhere. But I gained so much. And so I, he was like a partial partner. Like he 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 um, satisfied the, the part of what I wanted. Of I did want a close emotional connection. And then the, another one, um, he was he was um, actually pretty good at talk about feelings too, and he was a, a really good sexual connection. He was very physical and sexual, and it was a great connection. And he was smart, and he actually hit a lot of things on my growing list: smart and spiritual, and had a had a job. I mean, had his own business and stuff. And 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 it was, and I thought that. I thought that this could work because there were so many things about him, but, but I, but he actually kept telling me he wasn't ready for a relationship. And I was refusing to hear that. that this is a case. This is a real good case of, you know, um, sometimes um, women say that men don't tell, tell, tell us how they're feeling, <laughs> but actually I found that men tell us how they're feeling a lot, but I didn't listen all the time. <laughs> I, sometimes I just said, oh, that'll change, you know, when his business gets picks up or when he sees what a great person I am. I really kind of gave it my all. So it's not that I got, I wasn't susceptible to the regular um, pulls in a dating um, situation that other people aren't. I, I got pulled in by this guy because I thought, well, he's, I think I'm going to hang out here. He has potential. But then when I pulled back, um, um, I, and actually he pulled back. So I was very sad. I was actually pretty crushed. My friends comforted me. This is part of the self-care. I advocate to have a group of friends around you who love you and support you. Um, and, and then, um, and so I went on and then there was another guy who I knew wasn't my partner, but he was the best companion. He would, he would hang out for me for a whole weekend. And I hadn't had that companionship for a long time. And he, I loved it. And it was very hard to give him up because I, even though we, he and I both agreed he wasn't the, quite the right person for me, but it was delicious to have his companionship. So then when I finally met my, the, the man who would become my partner, he had all of those things. He had intimacy skills and connection. He had physical connection. He was smart. He had his own job. He had, and, and he wanted to be companionable. And, but, and he, mm. but he also had the balance of space and independence that I wanted. So it's, it reminded me, because that had happened all my life, I got pulled in by people who basically should be seen as partial partners, not complete partners. And, I could, and, and sometimes we settle for one of them because we don't think someone else is going to come along. Mm. And, I, and I know it's and, my project that saved me from, from settling with that, from that. That feels so powerful. <laughs> and it sounds to me like what you're really describing or what I'm hearing you're describing here is that you're, you're training yourself to look for the full package, right? And not get mm -hmm. excited about like a rubric that has one 10 out of 10. You're like, oh, <laughs> this is the best sex I've ever had, or this mm -hmm. is the best conversation I've ever had. Mm -hmm. And then kind of decide to forget about the other things that are important to you. Right. Does that, right. Does that ring true? Exactly. No, that, I love the rubric idea that I, I respond to that. But yes, um, yes, that's, that is exactly it. And if I hadn't had that goal of getting to 50 um, I might have lingered more and settled for somebody. So that's why I feel like when, okay, when you said, are there pros and cons of doing this? I, I can't think of any cons because I, I felt like it gave me a, a larger perspective, a positive forward momentum. 
and hope. I had hope. Um, now, now I realize I don't know where people are listening from in the country that um, because I I've, I live here in the Bay Area and there was a big pool of people I had to choose from. I feel like I not the least of which were the high people who'd gone through the high workshops. Um, about half my dates were people who had gone through the high workshops because um, I had been going to them for ten years and I knew so many people. So it it. Um, it, it does count on some people in very isolated parts of the country might feel like they have not feel like they have such a big pool and might have to rely more on online connections, which I also did online dating. Um, but I also did um, other activities I liked, like going on Sierra Club hikes or going to a spiritual retreat center, their singles nights or um, or other professional singles nights, things like that. It it. You, you do have to have a, you, you have to keep digging up dates. You have to, it's like job prospects. You have to keep going on the, on finding other dates, which means getting up and going to a singles event sometimes when you don't feel like it. Hmm. Well, yeah. I, I'm, I'm just resonating with that because one thing I see or feel from friends, and I certainly remember feeling this way myself back when I was single is kind of that dating fatigue, you know, like, mm-hmm how do I keep staying engaged in this? And I, and I love that you already touched a little bit on self-care. Maybe you can expand on that, but how did you stay optimistic? Hmm. I, 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 I somehow, I felt, first of all, I, I somehow had faith that this project would work. I, maybe I'm from an optimistic family that might help a little bit. I, I have a kind of a, a upbeat um, expectation, but I'm also a worrier, so you'd think I would have worried and worried about whether I would have found a partner. So um, the way I, I stayed engaged was pacing myself. I mean, I, I, as I had a full-time job. Um, I only dated on the weekends. I, I did what I could on the weekday nights. Um, and I kept doing the things I love to do with friends. And for me, that was... Um, um, going to high workshops. I was participating in high workshops. I mean, one of the best self-care things for myself that I recommend is being part of a larger community that's doing something. I happen to join this community that's putting on relationship workshops. Other people might be joining a political community or religious community or spiritual community or um, some other or sports community, but some group that, that, that can support you you know, that loves you for who you are and appreciates you for who you are and will give you that support all the time. So that was huge. Um, and, the, you know, I was in a women's group and, you know, I could come and tell my stories and they would empathize and, and hug me and <laughs> comfort me. And, and they would say, keep going <laughs> and things like that. So, um, so that helped. Um, I also, the other thing, an interesting thing happened halfway through because you'd think I would have gotten tired halfway through. I, I, was, I actually got tired after the first five dates. I thought, oh, no, this is not going to work. I got discouraged. I started missing my former lover, Peter. I thought, oh, no, I just want him back. Oh, this is a terrible idea. What was I thinking? <laughs> I don't want this. And then um, something happened then where I met a great person who, who became my lover. Who, that was a great, uh, another great thing. The way I took care of myself is I found a few men who were my lovers who not not people who were going to be my partners for one reason or the other, but they were going to be my lovers and they supported me through the through the dating project. So I didn't have to depend on my dates to sleep with them. I was I could I, I got a lot of touch and sex along the way, and that's mainly what I needed to keep going. But 
the real the interesting thing halfway through, uh, I think the second summer, this is two and a half years. So the second summer, I suddenly realized I, I'm dating. I had kind of given up almost the, the idea of a partner. I was thinking, I'm just dating. This is my life. And I kind of like it. I was going to different festivals and parties and I would find dates. I would go on dates. I would explore different people. And it just felt there was so much potential out there and so many great connections. I, I really did have some very sweet connections with some men along the way. That yeah. I learned. It, yeah, go ahead. I so that's in there because, yeah, it's beautiful. I'm loving what you're saying because I, I think it's so important that, I mean, and in some ways it, it strikes me as this is important even when you have met somebody that you like, right? Like continuing to maintain yourself, right? And, and have community and, yeah, not put all your eggs in one basket, which we see a lot, I think, with kind of enmeshment in relationships or whatever. But um, the other thing that just struck me, Carolyn, was there's a quality that I'm hearing as you're describing this process, and Haya kind of um, touched on it with the abundance attitude, but um, it strikes me as like enjoying where you are. I have a couple single friends right now who just longing for their life partner and to set up, you know, and you touched on Carolyn, the, the kind of clock ticking phenomenon, which I definitely experienced, you know, in our early thirties wanting to settle down, but, but being on the other side, being married, there's a part of me that's like, Oh, just enjoy it. Like enjoy where you are because it does change and then it's gone. Right. You know, there's, yes, yes, exactly. That's a great point. In fact, one thing that I, um, I, it, you know, in the, the middle of the book, I, I actually did, I, I started to wonder though, actually, if I was going to find a partner. And so I actually took a little relationship course by another organization that's in, also mentioned in my book um, and that about being single, about singles who want to be in relationship. And it was just a little short tele, um, course, tele, tele, uh, telephone course. And we, she had us write down what we love about being single and, and mm. really see what we loved about it. And encouraged us, and then we were also, of course, saying what we loved about ourselves and what we would love, what we would love about a, what what kind of relationship we would love and have a vision of a relationship. But she encouraged us to put the stuff we loved about being single in that vision of a relationship, so we would have those things always. And it is about, and and it is what you said about having a full, a life that is full in the kind of life you want to lead, because the same things that one would do to take care of oneself while dating are the same things one would do to have a rich, full life as a single person. There's there's many people, many older women are choosing not to be partnered at all, especially the ones who've had a long career of being a partner. And (laughs) there's a big, there's a big group who are choosing not to be, who, who, for whom this dating discussion is not relevant. They're perfectly happy living on their own. They have a great circle of friends who are their family and they're, they're fine. And it's the same, they do the same things that I'm advocating people do to, to keep dating, have a full life and nurture yourself a lot. Do, you know, do affirmations with yourself, be, treat yourself in a loving way, have a circle of friends, treat yourself well physically, um, love, do loving things at home. So, um, and, and as you mentioned, you would, that's what you would do when you're married also. In fact, you mm-hmm. do the same things to keep a rich life going so that you don't become isolated as a couple. It's the same things. <laughs> so It's the same thing. It's so right yeah. on. I love that. I love that like consciousness around carving out kind of your own space within the relationship too, mm-hmm. like maintaining who you are. Yeah. Right. 
you mentioned earlier in the conversation that uh, you learned a lot about dating. Like, you know, I, I imagine hearing that what you brought to the process, your skills through workshops. And I wonder, you know, if you could touch a little bit about the kind of the key tools in your toolbox that were really important to you and whether, yeah, whether you got them at higher or through the process itself. Well, I'll say what the tools were. And I think, uh, and if I, I'll probably notice that they're mostly from high, because one of the things is, um, is what we, and, and I, in my book starts out with my first high workshop at the Friday night of the first high workshop, because what we learn in there is the first thing is to look for the good in people, to look at other people and appreciate them. And while they're looking for the good in you, you're looking for the good in them. And then later we share and appreciate each other. And so just that act of appreciating and seeing the best in people, um, that helps for dating, first of all, to just appreciate what's good about someone, not what is not there, but what's, what's the best. Um, but it's also a way to learn how to love yourself because my experience is you can't just go to a room by yourself and do affirmations about loving yourself. You need some reflection from other people that you are a good person that people love and want to be with. And, and those workshops really structured it. So we got really loving feedback for whatever our strengths were. And so just having that kind of, it was like a, a, a waterfall of appreciations into me and learning how to do that with other people, I think went a long way for making my, the dating um, really, really well, really, um, really enjoyable. Uh, the other thing was the whole concept of being at choice every moment. Boy, does this apply to dating really well, because, um, because there's a lot of when you first meet someone, even when you're just talking on the phone or texting for the first time or something, there's a lot of negotiation about, will you, will you meet me here? Or would you like to do this? Or what would you like to do? And you have to be able to say, um, yes, I want to do that. No, I don't want to do that. Or yes, this feels good to me, or this doesn't feel good to me. And, and you need to believe that you can say that. And th that's what, that's what experiential re re um, workshops are so good at because you can actually have an experience of doing that, of saying yes or saying no at any given moment and having that be okay with the other person. That's one of the things I learned there. Um, once I, um, let's see, I had a great example of that and, and I'll come back to it. Um, the other thing was, um, well, just listening. We did do a lot of listening in the workshops and how to listen without having to respond and just listening with curiosity and compassion. So that's just a very loving, loving thing to do. And then, um, and then, you know, I was a very sexual person through my 20s, 30s, and 40s, and this now I'm in my 50s, late 50s at this during this project. But um, being the workshops were about love, intimacy, and sexuality. And so they really validated whatever our sexual choices were, not prescribing them, but I felt validated in what my sexuality was and that I had a right to ask for what I wanted. And just knowing that and having that sink in really helped in dating situations that became sexual. It's very important to have your own boundaries clear, your own wants clear, and your ability to speak about safe sex and and um, things like that. So, and that involves choice, you know, yes, I want to do this. No, I don't want to do this. Um, what, a, a good example of choice was um, I met someone on a dating site, and, but we had people, friends in common, and he invited me over to house, his house for dinner. And I felt safe because we knew these friends in common, but it was very far away from my house. And I didn't, and I realized, 
oh my God, I'm going to end up far away from my house on a workday night. Uh, and I might, what if I want to sleep with him? And that's not a good thing to do on the first date because I didn't know. So I actually called him back and said, and this was my believing it was fine to change my mind. But we'd made the date, but I called him back. And I said, you know, I feel a little more comfortable if we had a, a shorter date just to see if we like each other enough to spend an evening together. And so we had a walking date around the Berkeley Marina instead. And, um, and so that's an example of I felt perfectly fine about asking for that. That's beautiful. It's interesting because my husband actually had kind of a formula of dating of like very short coffee date, first date, then an activity of some kind where you're distracted and doing something. And then if you could get through those first two dates, then you would do the dinner date. And when we had our first date, he invited me to coffee. And then I texted him a few hours before and said, I'm starving. Let's go get dinner. So I asked him to jump right to date three. Excellent shortcut. (laughs) Uh, of so, course, I had no idea he had this formula in the back of his mind. Yeah. But, um, but I love that. And he, he, I think, was nervous to step outside his comfort zone, but he did. And then we ended up having a very, very, very long dinner date. So oh, that's a great out. That's a great story. And he, he had eight he, years later, Harry still are. Yeah. <laughs> and married. Yeah. Good work. Yes. Very yeah. good work. Um, he, um, he had a choice to make then about what was more important to him. That was great. Uh, and you felt, and you felt, free to ask. That's the important yes. thing. Yes. I, I said, let's, let's, you know, change this up. But I love um, what you just said with so much clarity, because I think that you were actually saying, I need um, to kind of check this out. I need to feel comfortable in this mm-hmm. and feel like I have an opportunity. And that's what he was kind of trying to do in, in general in his dates. But I don't know that he was able to say it as directly as you just did. So mm-hmm. I, I love that. And, uh-huh. um, and, and can resonate with the importance of the skill of being able to kind of renegotiate when we need to. I think there is something like really deep envy like that is showing up in me as I'm listening to this, um, Mm. which is, well, I feel like I'm very good at dating opportunistically. Like when the semi-person person, semi-perfect person comes along, I'm like, wow, this is fun. But for you to, you know, have a have a theory, draw up a plan, execute, measure against your things, and um, against your rubric, as it were, and then that you have such a firm picture of that you know what you want, or through the course of this process learned what you mm-hmm, want. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've been there with dating ever. Mm-hmm. And that I'm I'm sensing in me that that would actually be really interesting and fascinating, and I am oh, curious great. what that would be like. Oh, great! Well, I encourage you to try it. I mean, I, I didn't start this till I was 58, so you've, it sounds like you have plenty of time. <laughs> I, I have a couple of years, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so, how did you get to that? Like, how did you like? I guess it's a big question, but how do you know what you want? Well, that's why I was thought of it as exploratory research. Like that's what you do. You, you keep getting a lot of data. <laughs> I try not to talk as a researcher, but you get a lot of information about what you want and what you don't. And as you go, you kind of see what works for you and what doesn't. And um, I guess I what I always say about the partner I ended up with, I wouldn't have recognized him as the right person if I'd met him early on. I needed to go through these other experiences of trying different things out and seeing these, even the partial partners or the short men who didn't work out or, um, or the, 
um, um, the the ones that I thought would be great that didn't 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 want me. I mean, that's a whole big thing: handling rejection when you really think they're perfect for you and they don't. Um, I it was just accumulative. It really was cumulative. You know, dating is a numbers game. First of all, what are the chances to find somebody? Well, I, I do it from both ends. What are the chances to find someone that is actually compatible with you for a long period of time? Because we're also changing and we all have so many different, you know, quirks and things. But on the other hand, um, so so it's it's worth looking through a lot of people to find those people. That I, I don't think there's just one, but there's probably a bunch. But you have to find them. But then the other uh, the other side of that is you only need one, or if you're poly, maybe yeah. two. But but you only need one for yourself. So so um, so it's you. But you you have to sort through a lot. It, it, it's a, it's a paradox. You only need yeah. one, but you have to go, go. You have to look at a lot. <laughs> well, and I think there's this old joke, right? Which is like, oh, you're one in a million. You know, there's <laughs> there's three hundred thirty million people in the U.S. So there's at least three hundred thirty of you in this country. <laughs> but also, there's something to that where you're like, okay, at which point do you? And I think this is where I struggle a little, little, little bit, right? If you if you run into a partner and you expect like a fully minted, perfect version of your partner, mm-hmm. if you can find that person, great. Mm-hmm. But it turns out humans are malleable, right? Mm-hmm. If you ask somebody, do you want kids? And they say yes or no, you know, that may not mean yes. And it may not mean no. It's like it, the answer to almost every un, uh, question seems to be, it depends, right? And it depends on so many things. And so I feel like, as soon as you start thinking about what is actually important to you, it's like, well, I can write up a list, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure that there are exceptions to everything that's high and low on that list, right? Yeah, I think it's. I think you just have to feel it out. And you're right, we change during our lives. Um, I, I have a lot of friends. About, I mean, I'm in my late 60s, early 70s now, and so I have a lot of friends who who um, had relationships in their 20s. Well, some of those relationships have lasted. Some of those people are successfully and happily still together. And some aren't. Some decided that, was the, you know, they changed too much and they needed to break up and move on. And now some people are really happy with their second or second or third partnerships. It's just, it's different for everybody. That's the thing. So you have to um, trust yourself at any given moment. I think I was just really committed to finding the right person. But as I said, I, I think I said, if I hadn't found him by 50, I was going to take a break and start over again because I was, I was still enjoying dating. I was enjoying the process. And it's, it's, thank you, Kate, for saying that. I did. I was enjoying where I was. I was enjoying that lifestyle of being single. And so it, it didn't, it, I was tired. I needed a break. <laughs> so I did, I, I was planning a big break. And, um, and, um, and then I met my partner and he ended up going on the break with me. <laughs> So that's amazing. Uh, but but um, but if that hadn't happened, um, I would have kept going. So so I, I can't answer that because because um, I feel like I found someone and we are kind of changing in similar directions. We're still changing in our in our older years, but we're, we're we, we had a good baseline. We have a good baseline of things we like and the ways we organize our lives. Like we don't live together. We both we don't live together. We live near each other, but. We like our own space and we have our own stuff. And then we get together happily on weekends and trips. Hmm. Oh, you know, something I'm thinking as I'm listening to you both is 
I think what's so interesting about um, your book and this idea of 50 dates after 50, but in general too, is there's there's a, a desire, I think, that we all share to have it be a little bit formulaic. Like, mm-hmm. what's the secret, right? Mm-hmm. To like having this kind of um, elusive idea of what a perfect relationship is. But what I'm hearing you say, Haya, is I think right on, which is we change, they change. Like, I think there is no perfect formula, but I'm hearing you say that, Carolyn. Like, what you're suggesting is not a formula so much as a intention to experiment and and learn from the process because we're all unique right and i think there's actually a small correction to what i was saying too which is um yes and we change but you can also choose to change right 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 if you meet a partner who is like okay it's fundamentally important to me that you know uh you have a spiritual life for example, or that mm-hmm. you are a vegan or whatever, right? And then I get to make a choice. Okay, am I willing to explore being mm-hmm. a vegan or being spiritual, right? right? That isn't inherently who I am. And if you put those things into a search engine, like okay, Cupid or something, you're not going to find me. <laughs> right. But I might be willing to make those changes right. for the right partner. Right. And I think that is where things get really complicated because you're like, okay, how many of these boxes need to be ticked off for me to decide, okay, I'm willing to make life changes for this person. So that's when you have to be willing to go out with people that you don't think would be a partner you just have to be be interested in being experiencing different types of people and, and see how it lands i also wanted to just respond to um kate I, yeah in a way it, it's i don't think it's a formula i don't want people to think i'm offering a formula what i'm offering is a process a process of self-discovery that and i don't expect people to actually find the same type of partner i found or the same type of even dates that i, I went on um, I'm, I'm just offering it as an idea for how can one explore um, the type of people that that they want to might want to be with? How can they set it up so that they can see a variety of people of whatever their criteria is and and then and choose from that? And, and so it, it's more I'm offering I, I, I'm hoping people see it as a process. Yes. It's beautiful. And it, for me, you're offering the consciousness to it, right? Like taking some agency around it and allowing it to be a conscious process rather than something that just happens to you. Yeah. Yes. 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 And knowing, and also the other thing to remember is there's so, there's a million ways to have a relationship. You know, we, we, we have this kind of monogamous marriage model um, that a lot of people, some people fit into and a lot don't. And there's just all sorts of ways to manage a relationship and closeness and intimacy and sex and um, distance and um, commitment and things. There's just all these these different um, varieties. There's a lot of variables. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, and, and and then you illustrated that with the, the not living together, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think that's still something that's pretty, um, a lot of people just assume, well, we have to live together. Mm-hmm. That's what people do when you're right. in a committed I, relationship. For, for 10 years, yeah. our friends have been asking, when are you moving in together? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I love that. I never. Love the it's never okay for you because that works <laughs> <Yeah>. for me. <laughs> <laughs> we might. We yeah. might. But we we we, we, we like options. <laughs> I love the options, and I love the implicit invitation to all of us to open the world of possibility in that. 
Well, Carolyn, this has just been so delightful. I feel in some ways like we just scratched the surface. Like I would could just maybe I should read your book. Um, <laughs> please do. Yes, I, I actually have read a few chapters, and I it's delightful. Um, so I'm looking for now that you've teased us with uh, the end being the reveal of your partner. I'm gonna keep going. Um, but this has just been so lovely. Thank you for You're bringing welcome. yourself and and your Absolutely. learnings. Yes. Well, thanks for being here and, and having me and, and asking great deep questions about this whole problem of how do we have love and intimacy and sexuality in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell us the name of your book and where people can find you. Okay. The name of my book is 50 First Dates After 50, right? No numbers, all words, um, a, a memoir. So 50 First Dates After 50, a memoir. And it's on Amazon. You can find it there. But if you're boycotting Amazon, which some of us are trying to do, um, you can find lots of other options on my website, which is carolynleearnoldoneword.com. And there you can find alternatives for ordering the book, including my local independent bookstore, which you will you can get a personalized signed copy from me. When mm. I will sign one to you if I know you've ordered from them. Um, and other independent bookstores you can order from. I also have a blog in which I give a, I talk about some dating tips and perspectives on dating. So you'll find that on the website. And, um, and, and resources for dating, support for dating. I have Hi on there, as well as the other organization I went to for the other singles class. And a few dating coaches who I trust to help people. Hmm. That's wonderful. Thank you, Carolyn. You're welcome. You're welcome. So great to talk to both of you. This was wonderful. Thanks for your great questions and your great energy. Thank you. And lovely to talk with you as well, Haya. I love sharing this space with you. Thank you for tuning in to the Human Awareness Podcast. For more information about the Human Awareness Institute or our workshops, please visit our website at hi.org. That is H-A-I dot org. As always, it was a pleasure to have you with us. See, See you soon. soon.